Coming up on this week's show, we head to Australia to talk with Jackie Gregg about the online romance magazine, Blush. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 197 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamsrights.com, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Will Knaus. Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. A big thanks to Kelly for joining us. We'll have more information on how you can join everybody at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next week. Welcome back, everybody. Another week, another episode. Um, We've got lots of great stuff planned. Um, Shall we get right to it? I think we should. Yeah. So one of the things I got to do this past week was go to one of my favorite places in Sacramento, the Lavender Library, to see Frederick Smith and Chaz Lamar read from their book, In Case You Forgot. Uh, Now, in case you forgot, I reviewed that last week at episode 196 and absolutely loved it. It was great to see uh, Frederick and Chaz read from their work and do some Q&A. The audience had some really great questions for them. And I will admit, I stole some of them for the interview I did with them for the show after their event. Uh, And you'll be able to catch that interview uh, coming up in late August. In the meantime, if you'd like to see a bit from their reading, and they both read the first chapters from the book, there I recorded that for Facebook Live, and we'll have the link in the show notes where you can check that out, or you could just get it at facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Mm, fantastic. Now, since we are in the summer season here locally in Sacramento, um, that means the Broadway. Uh, we have a really amazing local theater production company, uh, Music Circus, uh, and they have their summer season running at the moment. And uh, just a few days ago, we saw their production of The Drowsy Chaperone. Uh, Drowsy Chaperone was on Broadway a couple of years ago. It is sort of a a love letter to uh, the weird and wonderful musicals of yesterday, primarily the outrageous kind of lesser-known stuff from the late 20s, early 30s. And uh, essentially, the show centers around a guy named Man in Chair, uh, and we sort of just hang out with him as he plays one of his favorite uh, Broadway cast recordings from a forgettable little show <laughs> called The Drowsy Chaperone. And it's, it's the, the whole production is essentially him walking us through this, this weird, wonderful um, piece of nostalgia. Uh, and it's funny and ridiculous and an absolute delight. And this particular production uh, was just that. Yeah, I loved revisiting the show because we haven't seen it since its Broadway run, which I think was about 2006, Yep, 2007. Uh, Man in Chair in this particular production was portrayed by Bruce Valanche, who some of you may know from Hollywood Squares, or you may have seen him touring in Hairspray, the musical, uh, often writes for the Academy Awards, and he was a delight as Man in Chair. And uh, this production also, once again, made interesting use of the music circuses in the round production style, including managing to drag an entire airplane out onto the stage (laughs) at one point, which was pretty incredible. In Somewhere on Mackinac by Jeff Adams, Jordan Monroe travels to Mackinac Island for the Somewhere in Time fan celebration weekend. 
Once there, he becomes attracted to local stable owner Miles Coulter. When Jordan learns the stable's in trouble, he wants to help despite Miles' resistance. As their relationship grows, he dreads the issues that face them. Can they forge a love as timeless as the romance in their favorite film? Find out in Somewhere on Mackinac by Jeff Adams. Available from DreamSpinnerPress.com, Amazon.com, and other ebook retailers. So this week for book reviews, it's a Heidi Cullinan palooza that we've got. And you're going to kick us off with one of her older titles. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Nowhere Ranch. Um, admittedly, I'm a little late to the party when it comes to this particular book. Um, when I posted online that I'd finished reading Nowhere Ranch, I got like a slew of responses. <laughs> People were saying, oh, like, isn't it the best? And oh my God, it's my favorite Heidi book. Um, so for the few of you who haven't yet experienced the sexy wonder of this particular cowboy romance, Nowhere Ranch is about a young guy named Monroe, Roe for short, and he is the prototypical lone cowboy who's just landed a job at Nowhere Ranch. And on one of his free nights, Roe travels several hours away to the nearest gay bar, and to his surprise, he runs into his boss, Travis Loving. Um, and after some flirty banter and like kind of like sussing each other out, uh, they realize they are both definitely into one another, and they spend one wild night together in Travis's hotel room. Roe tries to keep things professional with his boss, but Travis is just too damn irresistible, and after a trip to the rodeo, he gives in to his desires yet again. Um, his hookups with Travis are so amazing that he begins to reconsider his no-relationships policy. Um, <laughs> it's worth noting, when it comes to the bedroom, Roe likes things a little bit kinky, and Travis is more than willing to give him everything he wants. Um, after a rough and raunchy tumble in a horse stall for his birthday, Roe is so turned on and like literally so turned around that he just doesn't know what to do. <laughs> um, guys, uh, oh my gosh, this book is like incendiary. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm no extrovert when it comes to uh, Heidi's books, but the few that I have read have ridden that like delicious line between like sweetly romantic and utterly filthy. Um <laughs> The kink explored in Nowhere Ranch isn't your mama's Fifty Shades style like slap and tickle. This is like hardcore stuff in the best possible way. Anyway, so back to the story. Haley, the daughter of the ranch foreman, becomes fast friends with Roe, and it becomes her personal mission to tutor Roe so he can get his GED. And after learning some English composition basics, Roe writes an essay especially for his boss, entitled, Why Travis Loving Should Fuck Me. <laughs> What's wonderful about this is that the entire text of the essay is included as part of the story. It's sweet, and it's funny, and it leads to some more smoking hot sex for our two heroes. Unfortunately, the course of true love never did run smooth, and a letter from the family that rejected Roe years earlier forces him to um, kind of essentially examine what home really means for him, and home is definitely nowhere ranch. Um, some drama eventually forces Roe to make an unwanted trip to deal with the uh, ugh, backwards, judgmental people he once called his family. But with Travis and Haley by his side, he sets things right and accepts who he is um, and the fact that he is you know, worthy of his own happily ever after. 
Um, there's a brief time jump at the end of the story to show us just how happy the happily ever after is for Roe and Travis. It's um, it's wonderfully schmoopy and surprisingly sweet for a story that is so dang filthy. <laughs> and it just goes to show that in the hands of a very skilled author, kink doesn't have to equal like dark or angsty. Uh, the story of these two hot and horny cowboys can be just as swoon-worthy as the lightest of rom-coms. So I, if, if you couldn't tell, I absolutely loved Nowhere Ranch, and I highly recommend it if you haven't read this title yet. That sounds super good. That Going down that super hot kink path isn't usually my thing, but that sounds fun. And that essay... <laughs> yes, it's so it's so adorable. Um, it's worth noting. I think you're probably going to say this in your next review. Um, the ebook. I mean, I'm so sorry. The audio book of Dover Ranch is, of course, read by Heidi Cullinan's longtime collaborator, Iggy Toma. Yeah. yeah. And it's really, really good. We love Iggy. And in fact, yes, the book that I'm doing is also Iggy. But this book is also on the other side of the Heidi Cullinan scale. The spectrum, the, if, if you were. Yes, uh, the spectrum of Heidi. The, the if you Heidi will. spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> We've given you some new branding there, Heidi. Hope that's okay. Yeah, so tell us about The Doctor's Secret. So yes, I read her one of her latest books, The Doctor's Secret, which is the first book in the uh, Copper Point medical series. This is... Oh, I loved it so. <laughs> it's so sweet, this story between Doctor and his nurse. Now, the book had me at its cover design. It's, it's very clean. There's this heartbeat uh, EKG thing going along the top and this super Sunni-looking handsome doctor. Uh, I snatched the audiobook out from under Will because <laughs> Iggy Tomo was doing the It was the at the top of my list, but no. Yes, I just went, can I, I have that? I read I Kinky that. Cowboys instead. <laughs> <laughs> and as with my other experiences with Heidi and Iggy, this one was just above and beyond. Now, The Doctor's Secret brings Dr. Hongwei Wu, or Jack, as he tells the staff to call him, to Copper Point, Wisconsin. Hongwei's left behind a high-powered residency along with his family in Texas to relocate to this tiny town that needs a surgeon. He also hopes to lead a quiet life here. Now, that's derailed almost as soon as he steps off the plane because he meets Simon Lane, the hospital's surgical nurse and the person who was dispatched to pick him up. Simon also wasn't quite ready for the attraction. He's in Copper Point working alongside his two best friends who all wanted to come back and give back to their hometown. And it's a place that's so small, Simon was actually never sure that he'd find a man for him. Now, Hong Wei is torn from the beginning because he's come to Copper Point, like I said, to get away from some complications. He wants to just calm down and have a quiet life, but he can't deny this immediate attraction to Simon. Hongwei puts himself under tremendous pressure all the time to do the right thing, even if it means saying yes to things he doesn't want or that really don't align with the life that he wants to lead. Now, as Simon learns more about Hongwei from his love of classical music, as well as a certain distaste for pop music, uh, his love of Taiwanese food, and even the meticulous way he wants his operating room set up, all of it makes him fall for this man even more. Now, Simon is a pretty incredible guy from the get-go, too. Uh, instead of using Jack, Simon wants to use Hongwei's given name, even though it takes him time to pronounce it correctly. 
It's super adorable, too, how Simon can't believe Hongwei might actually be flirting with him. And that kind of goes both ways. Their interactions at the hospital are super cute. And let me say, Heidi Wright's fluster. Nobody does it as good as she does. Because when these two get like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. It just it just is like it's rom com in a little bit of a way. Mm-hmm. Now, their potential relationship comes at a great risk. Copper Point is a small town with small town drama and shenanigans. There's a little vibe of like uh, uh, northern exposure with this, uh, with a doctor coming into that Alaskan town. St. Anne's Hospital has a stranglehold on its employees with a hospital board that attempts to rule with an iron fist. And this includes a no dating policy. And as they glow closer together, Hong Wei is having none of that, insisting that he'll protect Simon. And Simon's friends, Owen and Nick who are also doctors at the hospital, help the two get together in secret. But as you can imagine, neither of these men want to live in secret. And the more they fall for each other, the more difficult it is to keep that secret. Now, beyond Simon catching Hongwei's attention, Hongwei also starts to fall for the entire town of Comper Point, from the owners of his favorite restaurant to his co-workers to even the local orchestra that finds out he's got certain musical talents. It's far more than he ever planned for, and he's not quite sure how to manage all the feelings of peace and happiness that he has in this town, not to mention Simon himself. When a medical emergency forces Hongwei to reveal more of himself than he'd ever planned, the major power struggle begins around the dating policy and the future of St. Anne's Hospital. Heidi does such a tremendous job about making us care not only for our lovers, but for everything that's at stake in this town. There's so much to love in this book between Simon and Hong Wei, their amazing band of friends that they get to know, the citizens of Copper Point, and really the growth that both of these characters have. Hong Wei has so much baggage and so much that he's piled on himself uh, that in some cases is pressure that didn't even really exist anywhere else besides just in his head. And for Simon, too, he's balancing feeling stuck in this town, but also really wanting to stay in this town. It's an interesting dynamic that goes on there. And of course, Heidi bands all this together in a beautiful way. And I have to say that the grand gesture at the end of this book, it just blew my mind and made me swoon oh so hard. Kudos, of course, to Iggy Toma for the brilliant performance, infusing everyone with strong emotions and rich personalities. And particularly the tender moments between Simon and Hongwei are just perfection. I'm looking so forward to reading Owen's and Nick's books in the series. Owen's is already out, and I'm going to be hanging tight for the audio on that. And Nick's book releases in August. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So if you're interested in learning more about Nowhere Ranch or The Doctor's Secret, all you have to do is go to the show notes page at biggayfictionpodcast.com for episode 197. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So taking a little bit different turn with our interview this week, rather than speaking with an author, we are going to be talking to the editor of the online magazine Blush. This is an amazing magazine that is now celebrating its six-month anniversary. It was 
uh, founded by an Australian by the name of Jackie Craig. And she's really assembled an amazing magazine that not only talks about books, but about tropes themselves and gets a little bit inside the romance industry. So we wanted to talk to her a little bit about this great magazine. Thanks for coming to the podcast, Jackie. It is so great to have you here. My absolute pleasure. So Will and I have loved Blush since the first issue came out. And I love one of the things on the website that talks about you, where it says, I may or may not have started this publication in order to fangirl my favorite authors without getting slapped with a restraining order. Pretty much. Pretty (laughs) much. sounds so awesome. It's like a mission statement. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so true. I used to finish reading a book and then I just I loved it so much that I wanted to be best friends with the author I wanted to know everything about them I just you know wanted to delve into their heads I guess and that's kind of what blush lets me do um yeah without getting hit with a restraining order (laughs) we feel the same way about the podcast it's so great to just dive in with these folks yeah absolutely Tell us a little bit for for our listeners who may not have discovered Blush yet, what is the magazine kind of all about, uh, besides obviously, of course, romance books? Um, so essentially it's a, um, it's an online magazine for romance readers. So I just wanted something that was specific for people who read romance. And there's already so many amazing blogs and podcasts, um, that I just thought a magazine would be a fun way of getting that information across. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of interviewing authors, um, looking at the different books that are coming out at the moment, um, the different trends in the industry, um, um, yeah, it's just, um, I'm calling it a digital, an online digital platform. Um, yeah. So there's even things like, um, I imagine what a particular heroine in a book would wear and I do a base of fashion page on that. Um, so it's just kind of interpreting the romance genre in different ways. And it, it, it really is because you go so much further. I guess I'll say further than a book review blog or like what we do on the podcast, because you do have, as you mentioned, the fashion thing, or I believe in June, it was the book crush with Jamie Frazier, which. Oh uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think everybody can have that crush, right? I know, right? (laughs) And and there are elements of reviews that work their way in, but then you, you do some dives on the industry too, or talking about tropes and such. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's probably my background in journalism as well. Um, I used to work on magazines in Sydney. I worked on a travel magazine and on a hair magazine of all things. Um, And then I started my own magazine, a women's lifestyle magazine, um, which was print, which is obviously that was more than 10 years ago now. So um, the industry has evolved so much since then. And it's so much easier to do a digital magazine than it is to do a print magazine. Um, Yeah, so I just um, thought I'd give it a go. How do you decide what what goes into each issue? Because there's so many things to pick from. Uh, I know, there's so many things to pick from. And it's actually been a little, it's getting easier every month because um, the magazine's getting more widely known and people are actually messaging me, emailing me. They're giving me um, content ideas, which is fantastic. Um, But it's just whatever I like. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just, whatever I've been reading or what I've seen or I am quite big on Instagram. I get a lot of inspiration there. 
Yeah, I and I enjoy watching your Instagram just because it's so creative a lot of the time. Well, I'm a graphic designer as well, so um, oh. I see lots of cheeky quotes and things like that, and I just redesign them um, for my own purposes, which is so fun. Your July issue will have only been out a short time by the time this episode airs. What what can readers find in July? So I'm super excited. In July, I have three authors that I definitely fangirl over. So I've got Eve Dangerfield. I've got an interview with her. Um, I have an interview with Sarah McLean and an interview with Abby Glines. Wow. Three of them all, all on the same issue. Yeah. Well, in my very first issue, I had Beverly Jenkins and Kylie Scott. And I thought, right, I'm I'm happy to finish this right now. I've, I've reached my peak. Like, <laughs> that was epic for me. I just, I couldn't believe. I think romance authors are so generous with mm-hmm. their time and their knowledge. And they just, uh, it's just such a beautiful industry, industry to be in. Yeah, it really is. Because everybody... You know, there there's so many warm people who are just happy to tell their story and tell everybody about their books. Yeah. yeah. What are the regular sections that readers look for each month? Um, so I generally start with a lust house, which is just kind of um, products, bookish things that basically that I would like, I would like to be spending my money on. <laughs> I think um, in one issue I had a pair of cashmere socks that were like $110 and I had a girlfriend calling me. She said, you didn't buy those, did you? (laughs) No, I didn't. I'd like to. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we do last tabs. We do an IG profile. So I pick an um, an Instagram account that's really inspiring. We've got gorgeous images um, and profile them. We've got our author interviews. Um, I generally have a couple of features. So, for example, in the current issue, uh, we did one on the rise of rural rural romance um they call it ruro so it's um basically australian authors writing romance set in rural settings on farms um which is really lovely i live in a small country town myself so i can really identify with that um we do um we do the fashion pages we do a book crush every issue so um that's just a yeah, a hero that we've got a bit of a crush on at the time. Um, And it's really fun to contact the author and find out what they had in mind when they were writing that character. Um, And so I get them to share their Pinterest pages um, with inspiration that they drew when writing, which I love. Um, And we do... Oh, there's a bookshelf at the back which features a lot of books and it's... um, a really great showcase for indie authors, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of it. Well, and you say that's kind of it, but that's a lot. I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that goes into these issues. What is it? What kind of like overall timing and process do, that goes into creating a single issue? Um, well, having done in my previous life the print lifestyle magazine, that was. Um, it was a whole circus. So I had staff and we had an office and um, uh, because, you know, I was spending $40,000 an issue just to print it. So it was, it was big, right? So this is um, because it's digital, it's online. My overheads are tiny. It's literally me sitting at my kitchen table and I have, I don't have it here, but um, I literally designed up on an A3 bit of paper four weeks and split it into the days and split the jobs across it and I laminated it so that I can write over the top of it every issue 
Um, and it's actually not too involved. I think because I know what I'm doing um, and I love what I'm doing. Um, and, and I think um, as a working mother, you become, I just have to get shit done. Like right. I just, um, yeah, like I've got, you know, windows in between kids being at school or ballet lessons or, you know, all of that kind of jazz. Um, and so, yeah, I just have to really, really productive with my time and bang it out. And I think the online magazine in a lot of ways gives you a much broader design to work with than if you were locked into any kind of website format. Yeah, I think it's um it's fun because you can flip through the pages. It's kind of it feels interactive and you can um you know, I can put gifs onto the pages so there's movement, um there's different animations that you can use. Um and it's just readers really like Readers like the tactile experience of a physical magazine. And because I can't do that, I think a digital magazine, it is still something different from a blog post. And not to say that, you know, there's some fantastic blogs out there, mm -hmm. but this is just, it's just a different format. Yeah, it's a different medium. And it's going to be interesting, I think, to see if other people kind of move in that direction. As I think we're also used to seeing blogs, that this is another similar but different way to go. Yeah, it's just a bit fun, a little bit different. Now, July is also kind of a milestone for you because it's it's six months old for the magazine. It's issue number six. Six months. <laughs> What's been your favorite thing to write about so far in those six months? I think the interview with Beverly Jenkins, that was, that was kind of amazing. She is just, I mean, she's an icon in the industry and... She's so generous and I couldn't believe that she was giving me the time of the day, especially because I hadn't published a magazine by that stage. I literally had nothing to show her. Um, so she, And she just kind of said, yeah, sure. Um, so that was, that was really incredible. And, I mean, um, I've actually – I do freelance digital marketing, um, which I've just stopped and I'm focusing all my energy on blush because I really want to – give it a go. I felt like I was building other people's dreams, helping them build their dreams, and I wasn't really putting any time into my own. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all in with this. I've got skin in the game now. That's awesome. That's yeah. a good feeling. Yeah, it really is. And I do need to say my husband is super supportive, um, and I'm very lucky. But, yeah, like this is, this is my gig now. What surprised you over the six months? Uh... I don't know if it was surprise. It was probably just reinforced how wide and how deep this romance genre is and how um, how amazing it is. I mean, if Alexa Riley can um, beat Michelle Obama in the rankings on Amazon, like, that's huge. Mm -hmm. and, and you're right, too, about the romance genre being so big and – I have found so far that you try to cover seemingly all of it. You've got all kinds of romance, including LGBTQ romance. Well, that's a that's a big sector and it's valid. And it's, you know, we I know that um, especially in the States, you've been having a lot of um, diversity talk at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and and so you should like I just blush is a vehicle for the romance industry. And I want it to encompass all aspects of that. And we talked a little bit about before we started recording that 
it was Blush that first put Red, White, and Royal Blue even on our radar as being, you know, the the thing we needed to watch out for in the spring. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm sure if you hadn't seen it with me, you would have seen it very soon because uh, it has been so well received and validly so. Like, it's she's amazing. Casey's just, she's going places. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what got you into romance? Uh, so... Um, my parents owned a newsagent when I was younger, um, and romance novels were distributed by magazine companies, which meant that if they didn't sell, it was cheaper to rip the cover off and throw it out than it was to send it back to the company. So I used to scavenge through the back bin, um, and I just, that's, I fell into it. I read to my heart's content. The only problem was that because it didn't have a cover, um, and so, I mean, I knew the title, but without the image on the on the cover and the title, I can't remember any of them. It just, and probably I was reading so many of them, I was just kind of consuming them. Um, but yeah, so that's how I got into it, scavenging through a bin. <laughs> that is Awesome. What a great way to get books as a, as a kid. I know, right? I mean, it's so demoralizing and awful for an author to think about that's how some of your books may end up. Like it's, I mean, I would, I don't know if that's still the practice. Um, I would hope not. Um, but yeah, but that's back when I was 12, 13, that was, that's how we did it. But yet on the other hand, I mean, how terrific that it must be. Yes, they didn't get paid for it, but they inspired somebody to go on and create something like this later in life. Well, that's true. That's a really nice way of looking at it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you can't. I don't. You can't remember some of the titles and authors, obviously. But do you do you remember like what tropes and what sort of elements of the story like fueled your interest in the genre? Um, I I read a lot of the historical, um, which which I loved. Um, but I think I kind of I stopped reading for a while going through, you know, high school and then university and got back into it with um, Kylie Scott, who's an Australian author who wrote um, a romance in a zombie apocalypse. Um, which is very far removed from historical romance, but freaking awesome. She wrote two books and a novella and then found mainstream success with her rock star romances. Um, but she kind of got me back into reading romance. Um, her and Amy Andrews, who is another Australian author, um, and her, she's got a Sydney Smokes rugby series, um, which is a series of books um, set around a rugby team in Sydney. And um, she's just, she has dialogue down pat. Like she is so dynamic with her writing that um, she, yeah, she's really, really incredible. So I think those two got the ball rolling to get me back into it. And now I don't really have a favorite trope, a favorite genre. Like I will literally read anything. You put it in front of me, I will read it. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm kind of the same way. Will has his his kind of set thing where he likes contemporary, low angst, may take a few divergence off that path. But I'll, if I like the blurb, I'm at least game to see where it goes. Where it goes. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. Now, since since we are an LGBTQ romance podcast, what are some yep. of your recents kind of in that genre? So what I've really loved is that some of my favorite authors are – 
diversifying, I guess, they're going um, into that queer space. So um, Kate Canterbury, she wrote the Walsh series, which um, I devoured, I loved. And then as an offshoot, um, there's a lobster fisherman who marries... um, Aaron and Nick in their in book six, and so she, and so the lobster fisherman he gets his own book, and he falls in love with a tech tycoon, and honestly, it was one of the hottest romances I've ever read. Like it was, she nailed it, and that was her first male male book, and I just went, oh wow, you've done such a good job. Also, Tessa Bailey, she wrote um, a male male. Um, uh, what's it called? I did write it down. It's not math to math. It's the second one, a heat stroke. She wrote heat stroke. Um, which is just really sweet and the relationship between the two men, it was so believable and so um, she's really good at characterization. She's fantastic. But um, my absolute favourite at the moment is Sierra Simone who's who wrote um, the Camelot series. So um, it starts with American Queen, goes to American Prince, and I actually haven't read the third one because I got a spoiler and I it I don't have the emotional fortitude at the moment to read it. I understand but, um, how that goes. <laughs> but she just writes, so it's uh, male, female, male. Um, but the the two guys they've been in love for so long before Greer the woman actually comes into it, and just the the depth of their 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 love for each other, and she's I mean. It's kind of filthy, her writing, <laughs> but awesome, awesome. And just um, it's emotional and it's just, yeah, she's she's fantastic. Since you look at romance really from around the world for Blush, but you've, you've seen, because you're in Australia and have read so many Australian authors, do you see kind of a difference of what romance is around the world and what gets written into the books by the, from the native authors? I think that a lot of Australian authors are actually setting their books in the US. Um, I don't know if that's a marketing thing or um, or if that's just what they read and that's what they want to write. Um, but so there's that. But then there are there's a whole crop of Australian authors who are writing rural romance, which is set on an Australian farm as opposed to an American ranch. Um, so you know there are differences in words, I guess. Um, I don't know. Apart from that, though, I kind of think everyone's just writing their own happily ever after, and it's um, a- and in different ways, um, using different tropes, different locations. Um, so I don't. I do. I I do wish that there were more Indigenous Australians writing romance novels. I think that would be amazing. Um, there are some amazing Indigenous authors, um, just not so many writing romance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that would be really incredible to see. Um, I actually uh, am writing as well. I'm sure everyone who reads is trying to write as well. Um, So I've just published my second book, Um, but I would like to co-author a book with, um, so I grew up in a small country town with a high Indigenous um, Aboriginal population. So I went to school with all of these Aboriginal girls and I need to make contact with them and see if one of them will sit down with me and co-write a book 
a romance from their point of view. I think that would be amazing because I think I, I don't think that I would have the guts, I guess, to write from that point of view, even if I had a sensitivity reader come in and um, and read it afterwards, I really do think that um, their issues and their worldviews and, you know, there are differences and you've got to do justice to that. Mm-hmm. So what what do you write? Tell us a little bit about, about Jackie Craig books. <laughs> well, they're, um, my full name is Jacqueline and my middle name is Haley. So they're written under Jacqueline Haley. And the second, which literally I published yesterday, it's um, Getting Under Her Skin and it's set in Sydney. So they're contemporary romances that are um, a little bit sexy. I don't think I really want my mum reading them, but um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Any any chance of a male male in your future? Yeah, I think so. But I think that, again, I would want... Um, I would want to team up with a gay male to help me do that. Like I just, I don't want to presume that I would know their life experiences. So um, I think that would be super fun. I hope you get to do that. We'd have to have you back on the show to talk about that when it comes out. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) What can you tease us about upcoming issues uh, for the rest of this year? Oh, the rest of this year. Uh, So I'm actually heading to the Australian Romance Writers Association. Their annual conference is in Melbourne. Um, And I have lined up some authors that I'm going to do video interviews with um, as bonus content for my readers. So I'm uh, we're just finalizing the details of that. But I do think that um, video Um, which can be embedded into the magazine. So in the magazine, we also do really fun YouTube clips and things as well, which is it's the digital magazine format allows for that, which I think is really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that video will start to become a little bit more of a, um, of a thing with the magazine as much as I don't really want to see myself on video. um, I think that it would be really fun to um, authors who are normally, you know, behind the, pen behind the computer and you don't see their faces or hear them um i think that that would be a really fun thing to do i'm very much looking forward to that because i do as you mentioned it's great seeing how the video gets in there too to really make this interactive magazine what's the best way for people to keep up with blush online and how do they get the subscription uh tell us all about that so at the moment, I um, to be able to read the magazine, you have to head to the website, which is blushmagazine.com.au and sign up with your email address. So it's free and then the magazine gets emailed to you. Well, a link to the magazine gets sent to you so that you can view the magazine. Um, and then previous issues, they are available on the website. So you can um, you can click through there. Um, but probably I'm most prolific on Instagram. That's kind of where um, that's my jam. That's what I like doing. So, you know, for cheeky quotes and um, books that are coming up or, you know, the behind the scenes of what I'm doing here, that's Instagram's where it's at. Very cool. And can can readers of the magazine get in touch and, and suggest ideas? Absolutely. I love it. I just, the interaction is one of the best things um, that I love about what I'm doing. So I get um, DMs on Facebook and Instagram and my email is hello.blushmagazine at gmail.com. And what would you say to anybody who is like, gosh, I really like that. Maybe I should start my own. 
Yeah. Um, so I guess have a look at the different platforms that are out there to do a magazine on. Um, I use ReadyMag, um, which I really love, but there's also Issue, um, which is I-S-S-U, um, which I'm kind of looking at as I get bigger. That might be where I go just because you can get more stats on um, what particular pages people are staying on longer, um, that kind of thing. So I guess um, just have a really clear view of what you want to put in your magazine. You've got to and structure it like a real magazine so go and get a physical magazine and you need a contents page and you you know an editor's letter and um and kind of build it from there but just know that um readers like continuity so if you're going to start a section you've got to kind of continue it so have a really clear idea of what kind of content you want to do um i haven't done this and I probably should have is build up content so that you're an issue ahead of yourself. Um, so that, you know, just to, for timing, I guess that would make life easier. Um, I like making things hard for myself, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and give it a go. Like, why not? It's honestly, it's so compared to the money that I used to put into print publishing, digital publishing, it's, there's barely any, any cost. Um, so yeah, give it a go. Cool. Hopefully somebody will also take up the inspiration because I, at least the way we feel in podcasts, the more podcasts, the better, the more magazines, the better, the more blogs, the better. Let's all talk about it. Build this industry. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for telling us about blush. We're going to link up to everything. We talked about the authors and the magazine in the show notes, and we look forward to see what comes out in future issues. Thank you so much for having me. It was just um, the highlight of my week. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you once again to Jackie for joining us for this week's episode. I think it was wonderful that we got a chance to kind of sit down and and pick her brain about what it takes to put a magazine of that caliber together like every single month. Absolutely. If you're not subscribed to Blush, you should definitely hit the links in the show notes to get yourself on that list. Uh, Just something I quickly wanted to mention, the the book that Jackie was talking about, the one by Kate Canterbury uh, about a lobster fishing Fisherman and a Tech Tycoon. Um, That book is actually called Fresh Catch. And I agree wholeheartedly (laughs) with Jackie. It's really amazing. Uh, In fact, I talked about how much I love that book in episode 177. So uh, if you want to learn more about that, be sure and check it out. Now, this week's interview transcript was brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the interview for yourself, simply head over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Yes. Uh, one of the things you should look for in the July issue of Blush, too, there's a, a great feature in there about love in the time of war. And this is one of the things I love so much about the magazine because it'll take something like a, a trope or something and really run a deep dive into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I really like that article. Okay, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Now, remember, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. The additional support of our superfans helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this show. Joining is super easy, and you'll get special access to monthly bonus episodes and the opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. For all the details, simply go to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Now, coming up next week in episode one. We talked to Michael Vance Gurley about his new YA novel, Absolute Dragon, which is the first book in the Infernal Instruments of the Dragon series. Yes, it was 
wonderful talking to Michael. I've been working with him on this book for a while uh, because I got to read it way back in the beta read stages. <laughs> and, you know, I don't read steampunk very often, but steampunk in this place, oh, my God, I just loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> So guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.